subscribe on iTunes at Toddcast Podcast. We have uh, Todd Purds for his unprecedented fifth podcast fifth? appearance, dude. I just went and I went and looked back. Your last, uh, your last time on the podcast was uh, July twenty third, twenty nineteen. Todd Kearns really? retired. I know it feels like it feels. Yeah, uh, retired BC Lions quarterback Travis Lule and Real Housewives of Dallas star Carrie Duber last time. Wow, that, that two thousand nineteen. That's like three three years ago. I guess we have we haven't talked to each other since. Uh, well, I mean, obviously texting and stuff with COVID and stuff, but but yeah, we did that. We did the, the railway. When was that? Was that back think, then? Yeah, I think that was right. Because like, we, I, I had you uh, maybe about three or four months later, I had Shaw, uh, Sean Barreau do, right. do another one of those cheap thrills. And uh, man, fuck, can that kid play? Holy yeah. Shit. Sean Barreau is it's just like, I mean, he's ridiculous. a master, right? Like, you watch he that really game. is. Yeah. 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 He's so talented. So thank you, Matt, for taking some time again. My uh, pleasure. Was uh, was telling my kids about you on the on the drive up from uh, from Peachland. They're like, "How do you know him?" So I'm, saying, <laughs> I, I'm I'm wondering. Do you remember when we met? I assume it's through the radio station. Was it's it through Seafox? Yeah. So was it when we performed at the radio station or uh, something? Yeah. So what it what it was? This is a kind of a it's it's a mean thing for me to ask because I think probably at the time for you, you're you're Todd Currents from Age of Electric and. <laughs> I was opping Jeff O'Neill's evening show. The first time I met you, you would come in to right. kind of hang out with the evening guy at C Fox and and uh, and I was pushing the buttons off in a show and stuff. And that's the that's the first time I met you. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, it seems like it's one of those weird things where it just kind of feels like we've always known each other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I mean, that goes back to ninety-six, man. Dude, I know. So that's, uh, those that's twenty yeah, twenty-five years, I guess, right? Just so twenty-five years. Wow. Crazy. Yeah, we're starting to get we're starting to get to that age where when I tell stories, my stories are always like, well, we were playing at this place. It's not there anymore. You know, it's like, it's not like <laughs> yeah, if you're talking about Vancouver, chances are <laughs> like, yeah, that, that, that joint is not around anymore. Yeah. So how, how did you, I mean, like, like we're, we're saying just off the top there, like we didn't have talked to, uh, you know, since COVID started. So how did you fare through the whole ordeal? We're all, it feels like we're through it. Mask mandates now, you know, you don't, you don't have to wear masks in BC anymore. Which is great. Is that right? The the Vax card, I think, is like April 8th. So it's coming up in, in the next well, real soon. We won't have to show the Vax card. So it's been interesting for us because I mean the states has been interesting from state to state. You know what I mean? So right. I was doing some shows and fill-in, a lot of fill-in stuff. I did fill-in stuff for Steven Adler, I did fill-in stuff for Corey Taylor, because guys kept getting sick. You know, <laughs> right? Or or something like that, and I would just find myself doing some some gigs, and you'd play in one state, and it'd be super relaxed. This is like I'm talking like almost a year ago now that things would be pretty relaxed, and then other states, California, and whatnot, would be still pretty stringent on their rules. So, um, and we're currently, you know, I'm currently in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, you know, because right, you're you're touring right, right now with with Slash and the guys. Exactly. So. We are in a pretty tight COVID bubble as a group, you know what I mean? Just with the intention of like, you know, there's four shows left and no one's gone No one down. gets sick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, the reality is at this point, you know, getting sick generally means a relatively mild, you know, uh, thing. But 
You just, so. you just don't want to have to derail the entire tour by having somebody go down or whatever. So, so we've been wearing, I've been wearing a mask, you know, just because I don't want to, you know, take yeah. the odd chance that something could happen. So, um, but you know, we, it's been, it's been pretty good. The actual lockdown itself was actually surprisingly healthy for me. It's a weird thing to say. I don't know how you felt about it with the, you know, cause the way I live my life is sort of like, and it's starting that way. And now again, where it's sort of like, okay, tonight I got to talk to talk to Todd tomorrow. I got to go play in Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> you know, my life <laughs> yeah, yeah. Starts to ramp up into that kind of like, as soon as this is done, I go immediately into something else. Um, so it was nice then to kind of bit, almost like a bit of a break. It was very strange, to be honest, to have that. It took me a couple of weeks before I kind of had that, like, oh, I got to call that guy. I got to return that email. I've got to do this. I got to get that ready. And then and then it was sort of like, no, you don't have to do any of that because no one's doing anything. So then it's, you know, Tiger King and you're going to settle in. <laughs> yeah. And in doing that, it was then it became very difficult to get out of that mode. You know, it became kind of like, you know, when things started to kind of, well, I remember it being kind of like almost this sense of like 2022 is totally jacked. You know, I started doing all kinds of recording. I, I have a bunch of recording projects coming out because we just sort of said, well, we can still make records or we can still make music. Um, sure. And then all of a sudden, you know, when people were like 2022, there'll be no touring. And all of a sudden my friends, all these dates started appearing on my Facebook and in my Instagram and whatnot. I'm like, well, what's going on? I thought, well, they're booking tours. I guess they're praying that that it will work out, you know. But um, well, and they here we of, are. They, they did that throughout the whole pandemic. Really, they were like booking tours, and then like, oh, just kidding, Push that one's back. canceled. That's path. That's postponed, and that's canceled. And I mean, it was it was very optimistic thinking of them at the very start. Like, I don't know about you, but you know, that, like that that right before you'd played the the cheap throws with us, you know, like in. I think you did December, wasn't it? I think it was, it was a December. I think it was. I think it was yeah. right around Christmas. Time, yeah. uh, and then it was like March uh, was when Sean Verode played for us as well. Uh, and and right at, at the very start of the pandemic, it was like, so sorry, are we supposed to wash our fruit from the from the <laughs> grocery store? Like, what are we supposed to be doing here? It was and, always uh, very unclear, wasn't it? Yeah, I, yeah, it was very weird. It was very strange. And I mean, to be in Vegas, the place that seriously never closes was surreal, you know, to, to like, I was doing this show in Vegas with some friends of mine. Uh, they have this show called Rating the Rock Vault. And it's like Howard Lease from Heart and Hugh McDonald from Bon Jovi and all these like, you know, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame types and, and sort of a super group type idea. And they would do a show five nights a week. So I kind of went down as kind of like a fill-in guy and ended up being kind of part of the thing for a while. And it was really fun. And, you know, we would do it at like the, at the hard rock and then it moved over to the Rio, you know, and, you know, when they sort of kind of gave us the, so here's the thing, this, this coronavirus you've been hearing about is officially shutting this thing down for, mm. I mean, I think that they might've put it to me, like, it's going to shut down for a couple of weeks, see how it goes, you know? Right. And then it was like, I remember like the, I remember like, okay, whatever. So we did that, that, that night. And the next night it was shut down. So I drove over to the uh, Rio to just grab a couple of things that I'd left for the show. I don't know, a jacket or something. And the whole sign had been removed. Like the, you know, kind of like <laughs> the, you know, where they would have like Penn and Teller or whatever. The, like the marquee. Just, yeah, like the marquee was just sort of stripped out. And I was like, 
which I suppose they probably do if there's a new actor, but I've never seen it like that. And it felt downright apocalyptic. You know what I mean? Like, and then, you know, it went from being, yeah, we're going to take a couple weeks off to being uh, a few months off to literally, as you know, a year or whatever it was. So my wife and I would, you know, like I said, for a couple of weeks, it was just that weird feeling of like, well, you know, when the Netflix thing comes up and goes, are you still watching? And you're like, I still, <laughs> oh, yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> keep going yeah Yeah, exactly and then uh we would literally go we would just get in the car and drive around i go let's drive down the strip you know the las vegas world famous strip and just dead it was this it was i thought it would be kind of more interesting but it was actually really kind of depressing because it's like one of those things it's i mean currently at this very moment it would be the most lively place on the planet yeah um so to drive down it and just see like (laughs) You know, the, the fountain at, at the Bellagio is Bellagio. Yeah. nothing, you know, and all the signs just said where there would be like Siegfried and Roy or, you know, whatever. <laughs> Not those guys, obviously, but, you know, Celine Dion or whoever was going to be performing. All they just said was like, you know, we miss you, you know, take care, you know, whatever. And it was just sort of like, you know, every once in a while you'd see somebody kind of walking, you know, but it, I drove right down to one end and I just turned around and I said, let's just go. Home. <laughs> I didn't like that. It was a very surreal you know, like that scene in I Am Legend when he's in Times Square and it's sort of like, you know, it's abandoned and you get this kind of, wow, that's so interesting. Or like Piccadilly Circus in London for like, what was it, 30 days later or something like that. You're always like, wow, that's such a weird image to to imagine something that's, again, so lively to be that dead. So it was very surreal. So, yeah. but, but Vegas, to its credit, has done, look, what do we have to do? We wear masks. We get vaccinated. Okay, what do we need to do? Boom. So that it's back to to whatever degree. Um, I well, think they were st- still even even there. even like you know uh, um, maybe like a year into the pandemic, they were still doing some like UFC fights and stuff in Vegas, and you know, so yeah. there was still some some shit happening, but not very much. I would assume it was probably fairly, you know, tightly regulated with oh, yeah. vaccines and whatnot. I don't know, but it's you know, I think it's it's been very interesting watching it now. You know, there's always that sort of like, well, back in the COVID situation, I'm like, dude, it's still happening. I'm still living in, it. The, yeah. in the parameters that this is a thing, you know, yeah. um, you know, so it, it'll be very interesting to wit- to witness it kind of, you know, I, I know that there's a, a new variant they've been talking about. So, you know, knock on wood that that doesn't turn into something serious. But yeah, at this point, I, I don't think there's any going backwards. Our lockdown is behind us at this point. I don't think, right. I don't think I, I don't foresee that ever being um, that serious again. I mean, it might be that serious uh, health-wise again, but I just don't see them winding it back to the way it was. Yeah, I F- fingers crossed. I mean, yeah, but yeah, you, know, exactly. you're, you're mentioning the the music and stuff. Like, obviously, that's that's probably for you anyway. The silver lining within the the pandemic bullshit with the last couple of years. So, you know, um, you you guys just uh, uh, released the the slash record. Yeah. So how is that different from making something in the past? Well, it was different for a number of reasons because we made it in Nashville, which was already unusual in a sense. You know what I mean? Like we kind of, um, we took every precaution as far as like, let's get on a bus. We'll, we'll, we'll just kind of like make sure everybody's negative, you know, get on a bus, go out to, to Nashville. We stayed in a huge, you know, kind of ranch style massive place and then um we'll just be like in the studio 
and back there at the place at the studio back there at the place food will get ordered in you know we'll do we'll reduce our chances of getting sick as much as possible long story short like you know i think the sixth day of recording miles kennedy was positive so so it was very surreal to i mean the other side of it, what makes it so different, I probably should get into, is the fact that we tried to record it as live as possible. And so in reality, this record is is very much a live record. There's no click track on it. There's no auto-tuning, no sort of, really not any overdubs. I mean, we did end up doing some overdubs, and we had to overdub um, a little bit of uh, some, some harmony vocals. And I think Miles might have had to do a lead vocal because he had coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But he largely sang with us while we were recording. And five days in, we had done, um, you know, a couple songs a day. That was the record. We, we wanted to make it a short record. Slash had been talking about doing a short record for, you know, World on Fire was 17 songs in 2014 or whatever we released that record. Yeah. And, uh, you know, basically it was a double record almost, you know. Um, so he's always been talking about like, you know, like when you think of the old, Van Halen 2 or something like that. Those were short records. You know, you're like sometimes eight songs, you know, mm -hmm. you're wondering how there's not a dud in the bunch. It's just like, it's just like, boom, goes by in 40 to 45 minutes. But uh, so we recorded 10 songs and then, um, you know, we, we, we did everything, all the drums, all the bass, all the guitars, all the, and, and a good lion's share of the vocals were done. And then all of a sudden Miles was sick. And then I got sick and Fitz and I, went down the same day and we just sort of had to hang around we literally hung around that that place for a couple of weeks i think we had to back in those days a lockdown was you know or a you know quarantine was two weeks so we just, just sort of sat there watching are you still watching yeah, yeah i'm still watching this you know <laughs> so it was it was refreshing to be kind of finally in the studio doing something because up to that point we had all been you know for all intents and purposes in lockdown had been you know with our families and our wives just kind of like locked in the house so yeah. we had we had the opportunity to go and do this was was pretty exciting and then to kind of like go oh you know that's that's how this is going to go <laughs> so we just kind of had to chill and then we you know we finished it up uh, actually miles and i did a lot some recording of the the vocals at the house mm. that we were staying at we were actually like you know, we had to do some harmonies on a couple things. So we just set up a, a Pro Tools unit there and just sort of recorded the vocals right there and then. And then and that was it. It was like, we really were only in Nashville about three weeks. So to make a record in three weeks, when you consider, I don't know, hysteria or Chinese democracy for that matter, some records can <laughs> go on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I was texting uh, with you today and saying, you know, we're going to do a little bit different today. I like that. I mean, I like honestly, that. I think that we've probably done, I don't know, 10 interviews over the course of our friendship. I think so. Um, so it's just going to be, from this point on, I just want to do just fan questions for you. Interesting. Okay. So Tara on Facebook, if you weren't in Slash's band, mm. which other band would you want to join? That's so interesting. You know, what's so interesting for me is the fact that... Um, you know, yeah, yeah, as you know, I'm sort of like, I do my own thing, you know, and it's sort of like, almost like the slash thing is sort of like the one thing where I kind of went like, well, I can't say no to this. You know, it's like one of those things where, you know, I grew up on the guy's music and I kind of have to be a part of that. That yeah. said, I have entertained the idea. I remember somebody asking me like, 
you know, as a bass player in Slash, what, like, what else would be, you know, well, if Jane's Addiction was looking, I would, I, I would love to do that. Or uh, yeah, if, if Chris Cheney's not ready, I, I can take yeah, exactly, it for yeah. a sec. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, based on the idea of like, well, if they needed me to fill in, I'd be happy to do it. Or, or even Billy Idol. I'm a huge Billy Idol fan. And I thought like, that'd be a fun gig just to play those songs I've been playing since high school, you know, or like junior high, yeah. um, all that kind of stuff. I don't know. That's, that's a really weird question because what other band would I want to be in? I'd probably just have my own band. You know, I mean, honestly, I think that I would probably just do something with, with my friends like Tuke or something like that. And that would be enough to kind of, to keep me, um, keep me busy. Cause when you start talking about other bands, well, I guess I'd probably play in Paul McCartney's band. You know, so I think that would get, <laughs> if, I, if I'm able to shoot for the moon, let's do that. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah. Paul, no need, no need to bring the bass out. I got it tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, yeah. Well, he's um, one of those guys that he has that, you know, Brian Ray, uh, he sort of handles the guitar. And then when Paul picks up the guitar or plays piano, remember, he does that quite a lot. Suddenly Brian's playing bass. So, and I always go, man, I would crush it that gig. I got that all down. I'm the guy. I'll sing all those harmonies. I got that. But, uh, you know, and you take a hard look at like Paul being 78 years old. And I'm like, well, I don't know how much longer he's going to be out there, but, you know, you know right? he might bury us all. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Uh, stay on Facebook, Sonny on Facebook, our age of electric going to do something again. We always talk about it. You know, it's so funny because we had entertained something. I don't remember when that was now. It would have been pre-pandemic, obviously. Um, you know, sometimes things come up and, and, and we, we talked about it a few times. Um, it's just been a wacky time, you know, with, with the pandemic and with this slash record and all that kind of stuff probably something I can kind of start thinking about. One thing I was thinking about is that 2023 will mark, geez, I guess 30 years or I'm trying to think when 93, 93. Yeah. 20 or 20 or 30 years. I can't remember what exactly it is, but we made the ugly EP in 93. And then we had the white full length album came out in 95. So we get to entertain these weird sort of like, you know, landmarks that start creeping up on us. Like, you know, cause we did the, um, the uh, 20th anniversary of make a Pestiped in 2017. We released a vinyl version with some extra songs because mm. that was the 20th anniversary in, in 2017. So those, those extra we, songs, were they just kicking around from the sessions or what? They were around from the sessions. Yeah. We had like, uh, we had like, uh, I don't remember how many there are now, maybe four or five. I can't remember. They're all great. It was just, you know how it goes. You, you record a whole stack of songs and you go, yeah, well, this is the, you know, some of them got to get cut. And, but the fact that we actually had them sort of like sitting around and still in like two inch form that we could remix them was, was Dude, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. What? So in this position now, you know, I've sort of been only recently told myself like next year is the 30th anniversary of the ugly EP. We went into little mountain sound in Vancouver, as you know, and mm -hmm. with Bob rock, the whole reason we moved to Vancouver in 92 was to be, to work with Bob Rock, the producer. Yeah. Who Little Mountain Sound, and we recorded a whole bunch of music, and we were, he was going to try and get us signed and all that kind of stuff, and it never really happened. While we were recording that, Aerosmith was working on Get a Grip. Bon Jovi came in and did Keep the Faith. Um, Motley Crue came in just as we were leaving to do the record with Karabi. So it was a very sort of like, you know, whirlwind of like you know wow you know steven tyler just comes into your room and you guys got tambourines you know like what <laughs> in full steven tyler gear he's never wearing like sweats and a ponytail he's always steven tyler yeah 
But um, yeah, so now that's around know, the neck. Yeah, 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 yeah. Looking for some tambourines. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like the door opens and a smoke machine or something, you know, it's going. <laughs> but uh next year being, you know, the the anniversary of um of that EP, I I, I try to use these things as a way of needling everybody, like, hey, what do you think? What do you think? We should maybe do something about this. And um, it's very possible we might be able to get something happier. I don't know that there's a, any extra material for that, but you know, who knows? It, it might be just kind of fun to 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 treat it as a reason to go out and play some shows. Oh hell yeah! Sounds like a start to finish album tour kind of thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. The, the, I, lo I love Mike's question. He goes, um, "Yeah, you got the star on BC's Walk of Fame mm -hmm. from everything you've accomplished." Which do you think makes you most deserving of that honor? Oh man. Well, half the time I, yeah, that, that kind of stuff, you feel really fraudulent about it half the time. You're kind of like, <laughs> oh, man. It's like you, know, <laughs> you kind of feel like, well, I, uh, you know, you, you feel very appreciative of, but there's sometimes you just kind of go, Oh man, I, I don't know if, you know, that, that is a really surreal thing to me. I mean, honestly, to this day, a friend of mine, uh, the band Dragon Force just played the Commodore, and my friend goes, "Yeah, we played the Commodore." I go, "Dude, my star's just down the street." <laughs> and I go, and he goes, "What?" And I, I was like, "It's just a weird thing to kind of just bring up, but it is right." Yeah. I'm by the Roxy, you know. Um, I don't know actually. I think in a lot of ways, I think when it comes to Vancouver, I think things like Age of Electric and all that kind of stuff. I think they kind of they treated it all as a sort of, you know my whole career, I suppose, and everything that I'm, I've, I've been doing that sort of somehow warrants me being next to Brian Adams or Colin James or Sarah McLaughlin or whoever else. It's, mm -hmm. um, uh, it's greatly appreciated, but, um, you know, it's super surreal, but I, uh, you know, I think that, you know, my heart still always belongs in Vancouver. Every time I go back, that is, you know, as much as growing up in Saskatchewan, all those major years of my life were spent in Vancouver um, you know, to the point now where I'm, I'm sure you're not unlike me, my kids and I go, this used to be that. And that used to be this, this was never here. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm that guy now, you know, it's like, um, so it, it feels, it feels amazing. But, um, I know that, and I keep saying this to my wife and I, I think it's one of those interesting things that I kind of feel like I have the audacity to keep thinking like that. I think, I don't think the big thing has really happened yet. It's a weird thing to say at this point in my life, but I still feel like there's still more to do. And I think that's important. You know what I mean? I think it's important to feel that way. Cause after a while, I just kind of imagine, you know, you know, just going through the motions of it all, but like, and not really having much to say. So yeah. in a lot of ways during the, during the, the, the lockdown is sort of, had me writing a lot and, and working a lot with other people. And it kind of really opened up another part of my brain of like, you know what, the whole reason we do this is to make music and to slash his credit too. He's sort of like, he very easily could just be like phoning it in and playing guitar and being like, whatever, but he's very driven to make new music and to, to do new things and break new ground. Mm -hmm. He really has no reason to, you know, but he does it all the time. I think that's the true sign of being an artist. If I may throw mm -hmm. it around, but. You know, like I say, well, the, I guess the star, the star, you know, I guess is, is sort of an overview of the career, but I still feel like there's more to come. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about longevity for that star. I think personally, I mean, there's so well, many because, things that you've done over the years that are just, you know, they're all impressive on their own. You know, all have merit. Right. 
Well, I appreciate that. And you, we just mentioned, you know, guys like McCartney, I think like that's still a long ways away. A lot of things are going to happen in the next 30 years. You know what I mean? Like the, you know, I'm still going to be going. I remember having a conversation with somebody talking about like, you know, you know, like my father, he, I think he retired at like 55. And I remember thinking, it's so weird to imagine like, thank God I'm going to stop working at this thing. When I think to myself, I go, I don't feel that way about my work. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't, I, people go like, you're, you'll end up working your whole life. And I go, well, please, I hope so. I hope I'm like, <laughs> you know, 75 going like, got to go down to the airport. We're going to get on the plane and go to wherever and play some shows. It's like, bring it on. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Most people aren't lucky like that though. Right. No, I know. <clears throat> All right. So yeah. West, West coast vibe on Twitter goes, uh, ask Todd, what's the craziest thing he's seen on stage while touring? Craziest thing I've seen on stage. Well, just the other night, Slash split his pants. <laughs> <laughs> and they had to like gaff tape him all up. It was the funniest <laughs> thing. It was like, it's like, I was like, what's going on over there? Because they kept like, we kept doing this, uh, you know, the monitor guy kept saying in our ears, like, oh, just one second, guys, just one second. We're like, the hell's going on over there? <laughs> like, oh, you go back. Just, just one more second, guys. And just like gaff taping him all up. Um, we've seen uh, things I've seen on stage. I mean, a lot of it's just normal stuff that, you know, once um, in Italy back in like 2011, I think maybe I was way over on stage, right? My side of the stage and Slash was way over on stage left. We were in Milan, Italy, which is a surreal thing to even say that I, you know, that I'm actually familiar with, you know, right. where to get something to eat in Milan, Italy. But um, I'm, you know, I'm doing my thing. Yeah. You know, and I just kind of see this. Woof, out of the corner of my eye and, and then i just see like uh basically what happened was some large guy had just wandered up the ramp i don't know he must have come from the audience and just walked on stage and he was gonna grab slash i assume as some sort of you know out of affectation or or you know i don't think it was like i'm going to squash him or something it was just kind of like but then the security came and our security guy just tackled him right into the pit, like right off the stage down in the pit and slash went boing. And he kind of just went and he kept playing, but they'd broken part of his guitar. And he was like, it was the middle of uh, sweet child of mine. I was just about to do the solo. And he just kind of like the tech hands him a new guitar and he just finished the song, but that, which, which says everything about slash is it's like, right. Things are exploding around him and he's just kind of like, keeps doing his thing you know that would certainly <laughs> yeah. be, that would certainly be up there i've seen it you know i've seen a few occasions where people have tried to storm the stage which is always kind of like don't do you, that you, you don't do that I, I kind of always feel like i understand that 99 percent of the time that is done out of like love right. but there there is a huge concern you know dime bag yeah. stuff like that and yeah, like, that, dime, yeah. yeah it's like that's just not cool anymore so Unfortunately, security gets very serious about it. And, you know, I don't want to see anybody get hurt, but, you know, it's like, it's more like just people trying to defend, uh, defend us, I suppose. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I can't think of anything beyond stuff like that. I mean, I've, I've been on stage. I was telling, I, I tell Frank, Frank is our guitar player, plays in Wolfgang's band Mammoth WVH. Yeah. And he's like much younger than us. So when I'm just sort of sitting around telling war stories, it's kind of like, you know, for a guy who was 23 years old, who ended up in Slash's band, and now he plays in Wolfgang's band. I'm like, 
telling them, you know, stories of like playing in Camrose, Alberta or Red Deer and stuff. And, you know, dodging beer bottles as we're trying to play. I was like, trying to play. And I was like, and people didn't necessarily always want to see you play music. That's part of what makes you kind of like gets that thick skin and the ability to kind of get on stage. You're like, do you get nervous when you go on stage? I'm like, no, I don't get nervous. I mean, it's like I had to go on stage when, you know, there was bikers that were going to kill us in the audience, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, just no, it, look, these days it's pretty easy just to get up on stage and play some songs. Right. Right. Uh, Chris, Chris goes, um, what's your favorite age of electric memory from the nineties? Um, you know, it's so funny. That's another thing that I talk a lot about because the nineties was such a specific time. Like we weren't even like, because the alternative thing was so anti rock star in a way you weren't even really supposed to celebrate the fact that you were doing well. <laughs> it was almost kind of like supposed to be a, like almost an ironic kind of like, you know, yeah, you know, awesome. Cause we, you know, you'd be driving around and your songs would come on the radio all the time. And you always see in the movies, like, you know, people going like, no way, you know, like uh, that thing you do or like one of those movies, you know, and, and we would just be kind of like, I think we'd, we'd sort of clawed and scratched and fought our way so far that by the time we got played on the radio, it felt like, oh, thank God. You know, <laughs> it felt more like, a, oh, okay, well, that was for something, you know. Um, although it was certainly celebratory. Um, a lot of my memories, I think, just kind of like, you know, there's so many great memories. I mean, I tell Kurt Dahl stories all the time. Again, Frank and, and those guys don't know who Kurt Dahl is, the drummer from Age of Electric, but I have so many funny stories about him that I just kind of, put them out there as, you know, uh, one time on Kurt's birthday, he was telling me, uh, you know, we used to, we used to drink back then. And he was sort of standing there backstage holding a scotch saying like, I'm switching to the scotch now because the beer is making me fat. And I'm kind of like, okay, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then that night on stage, Zucker baby was opening for us. I don't know if you remember those guys from Calgary, good friends of ours. Yeah. That night on stage, I'm, you know, I'm standing out front and like Kurt's behind me and I can hear symbols being missed and things, you know, like, I kind of turn around and he looks at me and I just kind of, I can't, I can't, couldn't really tell what he was saying, but he was basically saying, I'm wasted. You know, we're top <laughs> of the music. And I was just kind of like, Oh boy. You know, it's like song one, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Scotch was a bad idea. <laughs> Scotch was a bad call. I remember he looks over at Reed, but between songs, Reed, Reed Shimizawa, the guitar player for uh, for uh, Zucker Baby, who's been an old friend of ours. And he looks over at Reed and he goes, how am I doing? I guess he was just looking to see, like, am I as bad as I feel like I'm doing? How am I doing? And, and Reed just goes. <laughs> and we were like, and we got through it. I mean, honestly, I've, I've seen my brother so drunk, he was like, spitting on stage you know like ready to like hurl and i'm like you know usually when i'm at a point like when i'm about to hurl it's like i'm not standing in front of an audience finishing a show you know right but those guys you know the two of them especially could just the toxic twins could go and go and go this is a thousand years ago a long time ago they're 90s yeah. that's not even like just that's just like the tip of a, an iceberg of a million stories about the age of electric oddly enough one of the weirdest stories that i always remember is our very final show was at Cops Coliseum in Hamilton. And we, you know, we had clawed and scratched our way up to play these kind of places. You know, we were opening for Our Lady Peace. And I remember, you know, you're playing to an audience that is largely OLP's crowd, you know, but there were pockets of our people like, yay. I remember look, looking way up in the, uh, 
in the stands and seeing some kind of AOE uh, <clears throat> nice. banner or whatever and being like, yeah. wow, thank you. And then just and then, and in my mind thinking to myself, you people have no idea. <laughs> this is like kind of our last show, even though it wasn't really kind of like we're breaking up. It was just kind of like this needs to go on a hiatus for a while. And it did for like 15, 16, 17 years. So that's kind of a bittersweet one, but I do always remember that it's such a big chunk of my life. Like it feels like it, it was about 10 years all told, maybe a little more. Um, but, um, you know, it's, you know, it's a giant chunk of that specific part of your life from basically a kid into adulthood. And, you know, I had kids along the way and, you know, we all kind of, you know, moved to Vancouver and all that stuff. And, and with it being, you know, the, the, the Kern brothers, the doll brothers. Yeah. Like, do you, do you think that there, there's like a leg up for those style of bands? Like, like that, like a, like a, I don't know, Nickelback and ACDC and, you know, you Kings of Leon and, and Hart and all that. Oasis. Oasis where there's, you know, brothers or sisters and in, together in bands. You think like, is there, is there some sort of like advantage to that? Well, I would imagine you probably, you know, you, you get right past the idea of looking for people to play with. I mean, <laughs> yes, you've been playing with them since yeah, yeah. six years old. Trying, yeah. to band, trying to put a band together. You're, you've at least got one other person to kind of do that with. Um, it is funny because people always ask me that, like, you know, some young kid, what, what do I, what should I do to try and find some people to play with? And I always go, Oh, I never really think about that because it just sort of happens so organically. But yeah, I think that, you know, uh, there would be something to be said about like, you know, certain sibling relationships, like the young brothers, Malcolm and Angus seem to be really symbiotic and like really have a thing, you know, and then you had the Oasis brothers and the kinks and guys like that who couldn't stand each other, the black crows, you know, right. and um, which is also part of their dynamic, you know what I mean? But um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's certainly, there's some magic there. And there's probably a lot of unspoken stuff. You don't really need to get into a lot of like, you know, even with music, it happens with musicians too, where you just get to a point where you don't really have to kind of go into detail what you're talking about. You just kind of, you just know because you've been together all these years. Yeah. Like, did you write songs in, in age quicker or easier than, than any, any other bands you think? No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> we were, no. The weirdest thing was, is that we were all kids. And I think the guys would probably hate me to hate me to, to say this, but we were all kids that just grew up on rock and roll and we loved, you know, um, all of it. You know, we, we, I feel fortunate enough to be from Saskatchewan and, and, and to especially be from a small town where we didn't really have anybody telling us you have to like punk rock or you have to like heavy metal. Or, you have to like pop. You like, you have to like wave. We just kind of liked all of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, you know, you're talking about like just some kids who love kiss and my brother wanted to be Steve Harris from iron maiden and, and Ryan Dahl was, he loved Randy Rhodes as a kid, you know, and, and we sort of, we all kind of came from, you know, the hard rock kind of long hair background. And, and then it sort of just slowly changed into the nineties and the alternative thing and all that kind of stuff. And then it became a lot more like, um, like I felt like even though, even though we really sort of took full charge of what we were doing, there was always a sort of feeling of like, once you kind of get in the game of making music, it's a, it's a total thing about like, well, now you got to think about how you, you not only just get successful, but stay successful. And that's, mm -hmm. and that's, that's not really what the age of electric was about for the first, you know, decade of just trying to struggle or eight years where we struggled to get to where we got. Um, 
and then you get to a point where you know you you, you become successful and and then it's sort of then it get then that's when it gets challenging it's almost kind of like it's all for one and one for all and then things start to get kind of weird <laughs> yeah. yes which yeah. is <laughs> All right, we'll stay with the, uh, the Age of Electric for a sec here. Um, Bob on Facebook goes, so the video for Ugly was shot in one consecutive sequence. How many takes did did you guys have to do to nail that? Well, technically it was shot in three sequences because there's, I think it's three. Because there's a, we were at the, we were at the, um, it's shot at the Fort Gary in Winnipeg, but we were staying in this place called the North Center Inn in in Calgary, it's not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, oh, hey, but it had one of those like where the hallways all kind of went around. And we were always trying to think of ways to make videos because we'd made a couple of videos at that point. Um, and we knew that all the money, you know, this is back before you could just do it with your phone. You know, you can make make better quality videos with your phone these days. But um, yeah, the um, you know, we knew that a lot of money goes into the editing of it. And that was kind of like, so we could get the film, we can get the camera. If we could shoot the stuff and edit as little as possible, then we save ourselves tons of money. So with only two edits in the ugly video, that was the whole idea. So I was standing in the hotel and I thought, you know, it would kind of all, it was like all squared, like it was, but all just an ongoing hallway, really. And, you, and that was the initial thought of like, what if we shot the video, like, you know, in an artsy way and alternative, you know, music was very big at the time. And we could just kind of keep it going, you know, just kind of keep a camera going all the way around and have, you know, I think people running by doing all kinds of things. And then when we got it to Derek Horn, the guy who, who directed the video, he actually came up with the idea of the rooms that within the Fort Gary, you could go into the rooms and the rooms connected, then go out of the rooms, all that kind of stuff too. So, so it got even more <clears throat> involved then. And it goes, it goes into about, um, I'm trying to figure out when we actually, the first edit, oddly enough, Al, Alec, Alex Ponovich, who, who just had a run in, uh, what was that show called? Hawkeye on, on Disney plus the Avengers mm -hmm. series. He's in that series. He is a guy from Winnipeg and there's a scene where we go into this bathroom and there's somebody in the shower. I don't even know what the hell he was doing in the shower. He's just cleaning it or something, but he puts his hand up to the camera and then that was the first edit. So oh. then the, the next scene was some sort of like removal of something. I can't remember. I'd have to look at the video now. So if you watch it now, you'll see like the removal of that is into the next scene. And we shot that. So it was really involved. The, the hardest part of it, honestly, was we shot it like it was they were renovating that floor. Mm. And I don't know who they convinced to allow us to do that because we was hundreds of us up there. I was like, it was basically and it went on all night and it was basically a party people were like partying and you know the whole time and the fact that we were able to actually get anything done you know i'm sure we drove derek crazy um uh <laughs> is shocking but uh you know he had it all mapped out and then and then the final scene is robin black who is now a commentary for mma, MMA. Yep. he was a singer he was a singer in a band called robin uh, black and the intergalactic uh, rock stars that's right but before that, he was in a band called the Ballroom Zombies. Oh, and so in the video, when you watch the ugly video, he is getting—he's like getting married to our sound guy, Mike, <laughs> who is wearing a wedding dress. And Mike was this kind of like, you know, bikery-looking kind of cat. And then they just kind of like—they kind of like walk into 
a door or something like that. And then the cut happens. And then the next day we went and shot some live footage at a venue um, in Winnipeg. I don't remember where it was, but, um, and that's where at the end of the video, we go into a live performance kind of thing. So very clever, very well done, especially for an idea of like, well, what if we did this, you know, with like, how, how can we save money doing this? Yeah. Yeah. All, all in the, trying to save that, a, a couple bucks. <laughs> and that's kind of what I think that, that much music kind of, you know, looked at it and thought, wow, that's, that's very creative. Let's, let's give that a chance, you know? Yeah. Got, and a good song. So yeah, uh, the song, song and, got a lot of love. Yeah. And probably by then, by the time you make the video, there's probably a ton of Canadian radio stations that are already playing ugly. I think so. I remember it being kind of, uh, you know, like, you know, we had moved to Vancouver. We had recorded that stuff on the Ugly EP, um, as I mentioned, um, with Bob Rock and all that. And then we did, uh, you know, we did the kind of, uh, yeah, it, it, we we had to hire a, you know, a tracker, radio tracker guy and, and all that kind of stuff. Very, very grown-up stuff. You know, kind of like, what? We have to do what? Because you know, people do that all the time. People do that all the time now, like in, in, in Tuca and all that kind of stuff. We're always like, well, we'd have to hire a, a tracker. And I remember at the time it nearly killed us how much it cost to hire a radio tracker. Um, well, and I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it's exponentially more now. So, Probably. Um, you know, so, but it, you know, it, it got added and, you know, and did very well for us. And then, and then the, the video did really well and th that led to everything else, you know, that, that went along with that. Yeah. Yeah. Todd, I hilariously said, it'll be a quick one this time, 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> We're like 40 minutes in. That's my uh, fault. Aaliyah on Facebook, uh, now that you mentioned Tuke, she goes, uh, and this isn't a question, she just goes, tell Todd that Tuke needs to play the Caribou Rocks for the North in PG this August. Prince George. Prince George. I'd love to, honestly. I mean, we had so many things on the, on the calendar that have been getting bounced back and bounced back and bounced back since 2020, as you can imagine, you know. Um, so we have a bunch of stuff coming up this year. Um, I don't think Prince George is on there, unfortunately, but I would love to. I mean, I played Prince George back in nine, 89 for the first time, maybe 88, maybe 87. I don't even remember, but I was a kid. I, I'll say probably 87, 86, 87, somewhere in that area. Yeah. Uh, okay. I don't remember. It was a place called The Generator, I think. But uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Be ready to but, fight. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. But Age of Electric played up there <laughs> a few times later on, too. But uh, yeah, no, I, I would love to. It'd be great. Bring it on. Yeah, I'll put it. I'll put it to the gang. I'll uh, I'll rip a few out, uh, and then we'll wrap it up here. Uh, Doctor oh, Cheesy McTits MD <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> okay, goes. Let's settle this debate once and for all. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Oh my god! No, I think a hot dog is a hot dog. You know, I I I, I I've been hearing that kind of here and there, and I go, well, I mean, I suppose I suppose if you want to kind of, there's something in the middle of two pieces of bread but I, I don't know i think a hot dog's a hot dog it's sort of a totally it's okay if it was two slices of bread then i'd be like okay well, let's have that conversation but it just seems like no i mean a hamburger's a hamburger is a hamburger a sandwich i guess it is kind of a hamburger sandwich i don't know but you know a hamburger's a hamburger hot dog's a hot dog and a sandwich is a sandwich and you can get a million different kinds of sandwiches <laughs> there you go my... doctor there you go dr cheese tits <laughs> thank you doctor <laughs> Mick tits or whatever it is. Uh, Karen goes, what's, what's the worst job that Todd's had? Worst job? Um, I've had a lot of jobs, you know, I mean, when I was younger, uh, we painted houses. Um, that was kind of, I, I would say that I don't really have necessarily negative memories about that, but, um, 
I do remember, oddly enough, you know, in the early phases of uh, Ugly getting added to the radio and getting played on Fox. Mm. you know, I was still painting houses whenever I, you know, in the summertime, if I, you know, if I could. And I'll never forget my brother and I both being up on top of, a, you know, you know, death defying painting something and, and somebody driving by like, all I hear is ugly. <laughs> and I was like, I looked at my brother, I go, what the hell's wrong with this picture? You know, like, yeah. You know, a week later, we were on the road doing whatever we were doing. But um, yeah, you know, it's like, uh, I I don't really have anything. There's a great line in the song, God Gave Rock and Roll to You, the Kiss song, which is originally an Argent song. I don't know if you knew that. but um, No, really? But Kiss rewrote a bunch of it. So it's called God Gave Rock and Roll to You 2. Um, but there's a great line in that song that oh, <laughs> Zach, the guy that I play in Bruce Kulik's band, he plays in Corey Taylor's band from Slipknot. Zach uh, Thorne. Oh, Throne, yeah. Throne. Who's, uh, who's a bit of a Vancouver guy, too. He was out there was shooting. He? he shot a TV show called The Heights up there. He's from L.A., but he lived in Vancouver for a long time um, doing some TV and, and radio, and, uh, TV and, and voiceover stuff, I think. Okay. Anyway, cool. we, we play that song together, and I, I always say, uh, that line always makes me shudder. The line goes, if you want to be a singer or play guitar, man, you got to sweat or you won't get far because it's never too late to work nine to five. And I always kind of go, because <laughs> that is so true. You know, you you have so many like stories of guys who, you know, who had a moment, you know, had a hit song and one hit wonder and then it's over, you know. So, you know, to be doing this as long as I've been doing it and, you know, you have your ups and you have your downs, um, you know, I've. I, I suppose if one day the phone stops ringing, it's time to go and it's never too late to work nine to five, you know? So, yeah. you know, it's, it's no one's too good to have to go and get a job, you know, and I feel very much the same way. Um, but, you know, I, you know, I, I look back on it and I'm kind of like, yeah, there, you know, some of those jobs, there's not things I would want to still be doing, but I wouldn't be doing them still anyway, because I, I would have had to figure something else out to be a grown up and support a family. <laughs> or, or fall to your death. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, Todd, last one. Brian goes, uh, what's the best prank that he's been involved in? Prank? I haven't been involved. I'm not really a pranky guy. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any, been any sort of pranks. I honestly can't think of any. And that's fine. And you know, you know what? There used to be a lot of like shenanigans when we were younger where, you know, someone would be in the shower and there would be like, you know, just go down to the, uh, you know, every crappy hotel has a ice machine down the thing. And which is that in reality to throw hard ice at somebody, whether they're in the shower or not, <laughs> isn't so much about it being cold as much as it's hard rocks being thrown on you. But those were the kind of jokes or freezing cold water or that kind of stuff that, you know, that kind of shenanigans, but actual like pranks where there's like some sort of thought put into it and, that kind of thing. No, I don't, I don't think we were really smart enough or, or just cared enough to go through that entire process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Too much effort. It's just too much effort. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. So what's, what's the, what's the rest of the, of the next couple of months looking like for you? Well, I, we are in Charlotte. We go from Charlotte to Charleston to I think Tampa and we end up in Orlando, Florida and that's it. And then I go home and I'm pretty thankful to go home and not have too much on my plate. I, I got, like I said, I have a couple recordings going on. I have a project that myself and Will from um, Evanescence, we have a project that we're putting out oh. 
record this year. And that was really fun. Like it was another one of those COVID things. I don't know if you ever heard the record I did called Minefield I did last year, but me yeah. and some guy, Ace Fraley's band, literally just sent tracks around and recorded shit and just sent it around. It was so much fun and, and turned out great. Like, honestly, like. Well, I think know, it was do, one of the, what was one of the songs called Alone Together? That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was a fucking deadly song, man. Thank you. Yeah. It's such a weird thing because, you know, the music business is so strange these days. And, you know, as far as like, uh, like the whole thing about the pandemic that was so staggering was the fact that, you know, the record industry itself is really tough. Like to make money uh, from selling records is kind of not a thing anymore, unless you're in that other bracket of. You unless know, you're Foo Fighters or Pearl Jam or. Or Jay-Z or, or you know, Beyonce or whoever. Stones and yeah, exactly. But, you know, most most bands are making their money on the road. And that's why you'll see the Stones and Aerosmith and Kiss still out playing shows because that's where the money is. And um, so when you take the road away, <laughs> it's kind of like, well, now what? Um, but it hasn't really changed anything in my mind about um, about making music. You know, I mean, I think it sort of makes you kind of like go, well, well, is there really a reason to make music? But I kind of go, well, there's always a reason to make music. And I think the fact that the internet and all that kind of exists to at least get it out to people, you know, I mean, you may have a very interesting, you know, conversation on how you're going to get paid for that. But most people are making records these days just as an excuse to go out and play on the road. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's, to me, it's like, I'm just going to keep making music. You know, I'm just going to keep doing it until, until, uh, no one cares anymore. <laughs> no one cares anymore. Yeah. Or, or, you know, it's sort of like, like I made an acoustic record back in 2013 when it was 100% just kind of like for the people who follow me. And, uh, you know, and, and I suppose I probably could have done all that stuff and found, you know, I just did it independently and I could have tried to chase down a label and a radio tracker and all that kind of stuff. But I just sort of, you know, I just wanted to make music and I just felt like I have all these songs and I want to do something with it. I just didn't feel like, and there also becomes a thing of like, keeping away from the machine, you know, the, the, the process of going and making a record with A&R guy and producer and all these different people coming in and, you know, with their two cents. And sometimes you just want to make music because I just want to make music, you know, and because it's not really something that you, you hold your breath about as far as like, you know, I'm going to make millions and millions of dollars making records anymore. It's like, to me, it's like, well, I, I I'll be, I'll be on the road. I always remember at the end of the, uh, the Dennis Quaid movie about Jerry Lee Lewis, mm -hmm. uh, Great Ball of Fire. I don't remember what the exact quote was at the end of the movie, but I always remember it said something like, you know, because there's always that kind of epilogue of like, this person went on to do that, and this person went on to do this. And then I remember at the very end, it said something like, and Jerry Lee Lewis is playing somewhere tonight. And I remember thinking, wow, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <It's> like, <Yeah. laughs> Jerry Lee and Lewis he's still doing it right now. And he's doing it right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it was such a, I just thought that was like the most, uh, I thought that was the coolest thing to think to yourself. Like, uh, that's kind of all I want is to be able to be like, because I know that there are people who go like, that don't even know who I am. You know what I mean? I think that's perfectly cool. And I know that there's somebody else going like, what do you mean you don't know who he is? He's done this and this and then, you know. So I, I kind of feel, you know, I feel perfectly okay with the fact that there's some people who don't have a clue and some people are very passionate about it. And I'm, I'm kind of like some of them. Like I said, there's still more to come. And I really feel like um, that's the most interesting thing about this ride, you know, is that it's always, it's never too late to do something, uh, to do, do something great. So just keep clawing away and scratching away and, 
making music this year this year um like when i get out of this it's more into just kind of like there's a whole bunch of took stuff coming up took activity we got some bruce kulik activity and a bunch of re uh, recording and stuff like that that i got with different projects that that will start to present itself as well there's talk of 2023 trying to get over to europe with slash um nice. australia that kind of stuff so again i don't know that's you know i don't even think that far in advance it's like i might be dead by then i don't <laughs> right, it's too, it's too far, man. It's like a year, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a year away. So, yeah. so this uh, stuff you're doing with uh, for, with Wes from uh, Evanescence is there? Is there a name Will, on yeah. that that project? Have you got not officially yet? No, we again. It's another one of those things that started off with stuff being sent back and forth, and what about this, and what about that, and you know, and, and it just sort of happens. It's, I think, That's it's cool. really fun. It's really fun for me. I mean, because you get to a point where you're like, well, am I doing too much? Like, am I putting? And I kind of feel like not. I don't feel that way. I feel like. There's not some, no such thing as doing too much, like making too much music. I'm kind of like, right. Let's just, let's just get it out there and 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 enjoy it. And one day, I'll be too old to do this anymore, and I'll look back and go, "Wow, I did a lot of stuff." You know, and that's kind of how I feel about it. So, it's it's pretty great though. That what we what we've been doing is is pretty rocking, and I think it's um, you know, again, it's one of those things where you know he's in Evanescence, and you know i'm in we're all both very busy so who knows if we'll ever get a chance to actually do anything with it but it's you know it's fun to be able to make projects you know like i always yeah. think of all these you know, all these you know heroes of ours who've done like remember that weird project uh, you know you know Je jeff beck with carmen apathy and and uh you know and then like uh you know there was a weird record that sammy Hagar did with with neil sean back in the 80s and i kind of think of myself yeah that was cool like that that kind of stuff's kind of fun and i don't really see i always kind of think if there's a if there's no reason to say no that i'm kind of like yeah that sounds like fun let's do it if we can make it work in our schedules it's let's let's do it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like you made tonight always good to see you buddy good to see you, you too man I, I hope i'm hoping to be up there in the spring so i'll, I'll definitely be uh, looking you up okay sounds good for a couch to sleep on just kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah what are you a drummer suddenly <laughs> <laughs> uh you are at todd dammit kearns on twitter thank you again uh, for jumping on todd we'll see you soon take care big love the Toddcast podcast follow on instagram and twitter at Toddcast podcast <laughs>